Welcome to the Beethoven 9 at 9 podcast, originally aired Saturdays at 9 a.m. in 2015 on Colorado Public Radio. I'm Monica Vischer. In nine episodes, we learn the story of the revolutionary Ludwig van Beethoven through his nine symphonies. Last time, Beethoven shifted the musical landscape completely with his symphony number three, the Eroica. He threw out the rules and made up his own. The fourth, debuted in 1807, is lesser known because of the giant symphonies that come directly before and after it, but it is full of melodies worth knowing, bearing Beethoven's wit and personality. Beethoven biographer Jan Swafford joins me each time, and hello, Jan. Once again, great to be here. The symphony number four seems kind of like the odd man out in the entire bunch of the nine. It's never been popular, doesn't get performed very much. Why is that? The fourth ought to be better known than it is because it's an absolutely wonderful, delightful piece that in its own way is as original as anything did, but it wears it lightly. But it is not what you expect out of Beethoven if you come on the third symphony and the fifth symphony first. The famous line, of course, is Robert Schumann's, who said, what was it, this is a slender Greek maiden between two titans, or something like that. He was already thinking about opera a lot, and I think he conceived this piece in terms of a kind of opera buffa. If you imagine this very dark opening of the Fourth Symphony, rather mysterious, it's a night scene. It begins with a nocturne, and then you throw open these doors to a brightly lit ballroom, and suddenly the piece is off. writing operatically, he's thinking about Mozart, because Mozart was the man when it came to opera. Beethoven's problem as an opera composer was Mozart. He knew (laughs) that he couldn't do what Mozart did in terms of portraying people and personality and comedy and things like that, so he had to find a way around Mozart on the opera stage, but in a way, the Fourth Symphony in many respects is the most Mozartian of his symphonies. People have said it's the way it moves is sort of Mozartian. composed the symphony during a tremendous flurry of creativity. He completed his Appassionata Sonata, the Razumovsky Quartets, the fourth piano concerto, the violin concerto, the first version of uh, Fidelio, his opera. He did all that, plus he was very sick a lot of the time, had headaches for months, and a terrible busted love affair, the worst, one of the worst of his life. And he accomplished things beyond belief. Mm. He was on a tear like you can't believe, and he was physically and emotionally miserable. The fourth is not the weightiest symphony, though I think it is absolutely as delightful as any of the symphonies. And I used to say that it was the most consistent of all the symphonies from beginning to end. It doesn't have a weak movement. It doesn't have 
one that you can say is not quite as intense as the other, and that may have had something to do with the fact that he sort of wrote it in one breath in a couple or three weeks or something. It was amazingly fast. How much of an innovator was Beethoven when he wrote this Fourth Symphony? Was he seeking to be revolutionary at this point? I don't think so. Again, this is not a big, ambitious, earth-shaking kind of piece. It's a piece that's designed to be delightful and amusing and with little bits of, of melancholy here and there and to be great fun. And the fact that the third was such a wallop was a reason for the fourth to go somewhere different. I think the proper response to the fourth symphony is a good chuckle a good deal of the time. One of the examples of the originality of the Fourth Symphony is the second movement, which is, I think, one of his great slow movements. And it's based on a kind of a tango rhythm. Is that what it is? Bum, ba-dum, bum, bum, ba-dum, bum, bum. With this beautiful long, very poignant melody, romantic melody above it. Uh, it is really kind of a love song and a bit of a dance at the same time. Beethoven was often in love. Was he in love at the time he wrote his fourth symphony? No, he had just come off a terrible romantic disappointment. She was an aristocrat, and there were terrible penalties to be paid if you uh, were an aristocrat and married a commoner, especially if you were a woman. You lost sometimes control of your children, things like that, mm. and she had children from mm. her first marriage. So she was not going to marry Beethoven. And also, how shall we put this? He was not an appealing mate, let's put it that way, for all kinds of reasons. Uh, how he looked, how he acted. Uh, as one of the women he pursued said, he was ugly and half crazy, and that was that. <laughs> there were women in the picture, but he didn't talk about them. History doesn't remember them, because only a few of them he was really serious about. And those found themselves, it's like they'd opened their door to a whirlwind. When Beethoven got passionate, it was overwhelming. left turn here. Update us on the politics of the time while he was writing his fourth symphony. Napoleon was emperor by this time. Uh, there was less and less hope that anything was going to change in a radical way. Beethoven was already turning away from the kind of ideas of society and so forth that had been a guiding sort of ethos of the Eroica and he was retreating. And one of the retreats in the Fourth Symphony is going back into gaiety. He's not storming the heavens. And another thing about the Fourth Symphony is he's simplifying. The Eroica is very complex musically. The Fourth Symphony is a turn into a kind of radical simplicity, but it's simplicity plus intensity. Jan, what was Beethoven's health like at the time, 1806? He's writing Symphony Number no. 4. 
It was always bad. He had chronic digestive problems from his teens, and everything else was on top of that. His deafness was getting worse, and he knew he was probably going to go completely deaf. He had had abscesses, headaches, fevers that went on for months. Um, For somebody who was chronically sick for his whole life, he was physically very strong, partly probably because he walked a couple or three hours a day, every day, you know, rain or shine. So um, I think he was kind of at the height of his creativity, and that's when he went into his raptus, his deep trance he had that had been named when he was a teenager. And every artist works in a trance to a degree, but I think Beethoven's trances were so profound that he could forget the world and forget his health and forget his pain. We don't really know why he went deaf. He may have had chronic lead poisoning, which could explain what happened to his gut, but it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your hearing. That may have been something else. He may have had typhus. That may have had something to do with it. Hmm. Now, Beethoven was working on his fifth symphony at the time he was composing his fourth. Yes? Yes. uh, I don't know how far he'd gotten in it. He said once in a famous line that I'm always working on several pieces at the same time, Yes and no. He was usually concentrating on one big piece at a time. But the fifth was going when he got the commission for the fourth, and then he immediately turned to the fifth and uh, picked that up against once he'd finished the violin concerto and the other row of extraordinary pieces that he wrote in 1806. his working style? Did he have a daily routine? Did he tend to agonize? Uh, Was it very free-flowing? He worked with extraordinary discipline. You don't get anybody who worked harder than he did. But it was a very physical thing for him. You, You heard him composing because he was yelling. He was playing the piano. He was pounding his hands and feet on the beat. When he was outside walking, he sometimes would be waving his arms and howling because he was conducting the music and he probably didn't even know he was saying anything or or yelling or mumbling and screaming and it was wild he composed with his whole body Beethoven starts off his fourth symphony with a long slow introduction this is Typical of what Haydn would do in his symphonies, was Beethoven making a conscious attempt to look back? He was considered a revolutionary from the beginning, but he was not a revolutionary in overthrowing the past. He was thinking of the position of the symphony as a kind of popularistic piece. He never wrote another symphony as complicated in form and material as the third symphony until the ninth. The fourth was a radical simplification, but the fact is that simplification was traditional. Symphonies were considered to be popular music played in big concerts for big audiences. And so in a way, he was conforming in the fourth symphony to the traditional idea of a symphony as a more direct kind of piece.
talk to us about where the musical heart of this symphony lies. Well, there's a very interesting thing about it, which is he broke off sketching the Fifth Symphony to write the Fourth because it was a commission. And the first four notes of the Fifth Symphony are da-da-dee-dum, ba-da-da-dum, ba-da-da-dum. The first four notes of the Fourth Symphony are the same. Da-da-dee-dum. Huh. <laughs> it's sort of a slower version <laughs> okay. of the governing Fifth Symphony motif. And as always with Beethoven, what happens at the beginning creates resonances that go through the whole piece. Those four notes are very important through the whole piece. That little bassoon tune is another version of it, speed it up. Can you point us to where we hear Beethoven's humor in the symphony number four? The tune to the finale, is just goofy. <laughs> it's in its absolute goofiest mode. He's using the bassoon in, in its kind of comic mode. The humor is, is just absolutely there on the surface. He was in this absolutely boiling stew of creativity at the end of 1806 when he wrote it. I think that was a lot of consolation for what he had been through physically and emotionally that year. I mentioned he had a busted love affair. He, would, he had been sick. He had abscesses. He had fevers and, and headaches. And his opera, which meant everything to him, had collapsed, which depressed him enormously. Uh, he did a lot of this at the castle of an aristocrat who was a friend of his and a servant, they asked about it. He said, I think Beethoven must be crazy. He's out dashing around in any kind of weather. He's out running around when it's raining. I just imagine him in this kind of creative fury. Jan Swafford, once again, thank you so much for joining us for the Beethoven 9 at 9 today. Another good talk, Monica. Thank you. Beethoven symphonies are just part of the full breadth of music we bring you on Colorado Public Radio's classical service, CPR Classical. You can find us on the dial in Denver at 88.1 FM and in Boulder at 99.9 FM. Find us online at CPRClassical.org. There we also list top recordings of Beethoven's Symphony No. 4. Read more about the music and see a video of the piece in concert. You can subscribe to the Beethoven 9 at 9 podcast in the iTunes store. Our producer of the Beethoven 9 at 9 is Gene Inaba. Our online editor is Brad Turner. Jan Swafford's biography is titled Beethoven, Anguish and Triumph. I'm Monica Vischer, and next time Jan and I will explore Beethoven's Symphony No. 5 with those famous opening notes emblazoned onto the human consciousness. That's next time, only on the Beethoven 9 at 9 podcast from Colorado Public Radio. Thank <laughs> you.